love you. Gentlefolk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. So please, won't you come on in and sit with us on the couch? I had to stretch it, but I tried to work it in. <laughs> I could see the the irritation on your <sighs> face when you're choosing that. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. <laughs> he chose this as I was drinking some water. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know that he almost killed me. Like as you know, if I if I choke even just a little bit when I open up the vortex to to drink yeah, yeah, and or yeah. eat, <laughs> yeah, suck the I whole could, room in. yeah, I could suck the whole room in, man. I mean, just, you gotta be careful. <laughs> you can't interrupt that process. It's a very delicate time. <laughs> oh man, you absolutely hate that jingle, and it kind of surprised me that you did. <laughs> oh my god. I, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't irritate you. You hate things that repeat. Uh, and it is... I do, but... In but see, okay, so we're we're talking Halloween 3. Uh, we're talking the third films of all these franchises that we've been talking for the past, yes. uh, well, one week and then, you know, a year before that. Right, yes. <laughs> and, and this is but, also Green and Faceless on the Couch, a podcast about movies and TV. That's correct, it is. And uh, in Halloween 3... There is a commercial jingle. It is the main, it's the, the whole, whole crux of the movie. It's, it's the, yeah, it's the villain, villain of the movie, <laughs> and it's just it's just this little. It's a it's a commercial jingle based off of the London Bridge is falling down tune, and it's just happy happy Halloween 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 <sighs> happy happy Halloween Silver Shamrock. I fucking love it, and the reason I love it, as we'll talk about when we do Halloween three. I don't want to start with Halloween three. <laughs> but uh, the, the reason I love it is because of how the film uses it mm. and like the, how they play with it because it is an annoying fucking song. It, it has, such a, <laughs> I it has such a special part, but it's got such a special part in my heart. Like I, I love it so much and so dear. Uh. But uh, but first, before we talk that, let us talk as we have uh, the order we have been doing these in is uh, Friday the 13th first. So let's yes, do Friday the, the 13th. We're. I realize now that even though we agreed beforehand that this was the order, as it has been, that this is the film I remember the least. Oh, I mean that's that's by design. I think that's by design. I think Friday the Thirteenth is cut and paste bullshit. That's all it is. And and yeah. as you say, this is also the film I remember the least. But not because it's the one I watched the oldest. Would I mean that's true also? But just because it sucks. It's so bad. Maybe, maybe it so, does. While I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, this isn't bad. This is fun. It's, it's uh, technically better than the first two, but the fact that it's just the exact same as the first yeah. two makes it worse. But, like, though, at the same time, it's not. They're not campers this time. They're just people chilling at this, this you know, this lady's cabin. Chris. Yeah. Uh, played by Dana uh, Kimmel. She just brings her friends out to the cabin. And uh, some reason Jason's there, and she has been attacked by Jason before. Yeah, it's where he was recuperating from the last film. So, oh, like at I the see. end of yeah, at the end of part two, he's like you know wounded really fucking badly yeah. by uh, uh, Amy Steele. I can't remember at the beginning. Jenny. Jenny, Jenny, that's her name. Yeah, she's a badass. Yeah. 
Yeah, she was the she was the hero of the first one. Chris is pretty good too. Yeah, this film was supposed to follow Jenny. It was supposed to be a self-defense yeah. film, like years in the future where, you know, Jenny is uh in college or whatever. Jason comes back because she's the one who got away, you know, the whole Michael thing. That's why Michael's always after Jamie Lee Curtis. She's the one who got away. Uh he he goes after her and the and the original plan for this film. He kills Paul, the the guy from the end of the last film. Oh, okay. And yeah. then because he does that, it become the the original idea was Amy Steele playing Jenny was going to go on a revenge hunt for Jason. She was like, "You killed that Paul, awesome. I'm fucking right." It sounds really awesome. No, Amy Steele didn't want to come back, and so we, we scrapped that whole idea, and then we did this film. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Amy. Which, I mean that. I mean, you know, you got to do whatever you got to do, but that could have gone down in history. It could have. It probably wouldn't I mean, have, but it could have. But listen, the, everybody knows about this film series, and maybe yeah, that would have been, true. like, maybe that would have been the notch in it that actually made it pretty decent. Right. What she had to weigh was, did she want to fall into that typecast? You know, it's like, if you do two films of a franchise, now you're the face of the franchise. That's true. Yeah. You know? That is true. Yeah, Jamie Lee is locked in. Exactly. <sighs> But she's still <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, that's true. But here's the here's the fun part about Friday the Thirteenth Part Three or Part I I I or Part Three D, as many people call it, uh, because this one yes. is the only I one in the forgot. franchise. How did I forget? Yeah, it's the only film in the franchise to be filmed in 3D, and rightfully so because Jesus, they had no fucking idea how to use it. They were all right. Listen though, every gag did crack me up. It, it's pretty time. funny when you notice it. Yeah, it's just no, like right it's off the like bat every time. It's... You don't even you don't even have to know this film was filmed in 3D to immediately pick up on the fact that it was filmed in 3D yeah, because they open I, up no they open up on like a baseball bat like sticking at the <laughs> camera screen. It's just like look at it. I was look like, at what it. is this up with this weird center shot? I mean, <laughs> I know. I saw that and I was like, oh, this must have been filmed in 3D. It's <laughs> like, god damn it. Uh... But another fun fact about this film, I looked up. All of the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, and if you don't know how Rotten Tomatoes look uh, works, you have a you have a critic score, you have an audi- uh, audience score. Okay. And this wasn't the worst film for the audiences. They didn't they didn't hate this film too much. This is the worst film in the franchise from the critics, though. Wow. Because only seven only seven percent of critics on Rotten Tomatoes enjoy this film, or wow. gave it a thumbs up, or whatever the fucking tomato meter reads. Yeah, it is hated by critics and i understand why it, it is literally just derivative slasher oh, bullshit. Yeah. like it, i mean it was camp to the extreme i mean yeah oh god and they even the the dialogue is even like tongue-in-cheek poking fun at it because there, yeah. there's a moment where one of the characters is like sex 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 it's all you guys talk about it's so <laughs> boring and it's just it's just so funny because it's like yep they know that that's all this film, this franchise has devolved into is sex and murder, and that's it. There's that's no it. other function. There's just people having sex or people moping about not having sex, and then they get killed. Yeah, so as we said, people have sex in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really remember those characters, though. No. The characters I remember are, of course, Chris, but honestly, barely. I'm sorry. I don't even remember her. I know she like. I know she has that final the the final lady of the of this movie, but I don't really remember her fight with Jason all too much. Yeah, 
I remember her getting away to the point and thinking like she hurt him really bad, but you know, he's Jason, so whatever. Right, right. And then her being in a boat and oh, him. I do like, remember she she drove a machete through his head. I do remember that. Right. Oh yeah, the the, the movie ends spoilers. This I mean, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna watch you're either gonna watch this movie or you're not. It's it's old. And we're kind of shitting on it too, so right. I technically don't recommend it, but it is fun if you're just in the mood for slashers. Right? Yeah. Like if you just want to watch a slasher, it's fine. Like the first thing I said about it was that I enjoyed watching it, but it's not memorable in any way. No. Yeah. Exactly. It did not stick with me at all. But I do remember that she's riding down the river, and he's in all the houses. But also, the movie ends with that shot. Zooming, panning out, uh, with the machete still in his head and him dead on the, the hayloft. So, Jason's dead. Story's over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it actually was supposed to be. They didn't market it as such, but it was supposed to be the end of a trilogy. Right. They were just kind of like, we're fucking done with this. We don't know where to go with this. We, right. We're just kind of kill him and hope that it's done. Obviously, it wasn't done. They brought it back yeah. for the fourth one. But this, it, it was like that was their intention was to just end it. And, you know, they're just like, fuck it. There's a machete in his head. What are you going to do with that now? And that's it. And then there's also, we'll I remember. next um, week, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll be back with another Friday the 13th anthology series. <laughs> this time we'll be following a different thing and not Jason, please. Nope. <laughs> But I do remember they also call back to the uh, the end of the first movie and that they have Jason's mom jump out of the water and attack Chris. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was so stupid. <laughs> so that, stupid. I was like, wait, what? what? Like, <laughs> why is she in the water? What, she, the last time we even man. saw her, her head was gone. So I was not even sure if it was supposed to be her. Like, right, it, like yeah. also, Chris, it's very zombified. If it's supposed to be her dream, though, too, the way that it's set up, then how did she even know about his mom? Like, th- these people are like right. super removed from the other stories. It, yeah. it, the only thing she knows about Jason is that he attacked her when she was alone in the woods one night. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so she's prepared because she's, uh, she has, you know, PTSD a little bit. So she's waiting for this shit to happen again. And, and so it does. And that's why she survives. But all her friends die. And I, and I forgot they had cut out just slightly had cut this part out. It's, it's still kind of in there. It it kind of implies that Jason raped her in the past. Yeah. Yes. Because she did not remember what happened and she yeah. woke up in her room and i and i think i remember in the original script they were just blatantly like yeah dude attacked her and raped her and she got away and like i'm glad they cut that out of the script but right. it's like it seems because it seems one it seems so un right. uh, unlike jason like Jason just kills. He doesn't seem like yeah, he's interested he in sex. He doesn't ha- have a sexual no. drive. Yeah. And if, if anything, sex pisses him off. Like, yeah. <laughs> he sees it. He's like, fuck them. Kill the sinners. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, I'm glad they cut it because it's like, one, like, 
fucking why like he's already villainous you don't need to keep making him more villainous like he he murders campers like he's not it's not (laughs) freddy you don't have to keep adding more like unnecessarily disgusting terrible things to freddy that makes him more frightening right but but jason's frightening as is he's at his most frightening actually because he gets the fucking mask finally he finally gets the hockey mask and he gets it from none other than shelly poor (laughs) poor stupid shelly uh i like i don't know that i did find some sort of endearment with this this character probably because i identified with him on some level but he he Mm. definitely is constantly self-deprecating himself which i guess that's what self-deprecation is but uh (laughs) also the other kids like you can tell the other kids don't like him as much but they never actually make fun of him or anything. It's all Shelly. Shelly yeah. just keeps on doing it to himself. Uh, like, he, he he wants to try to get their attention and, and to be their friends, particularly, I don't remember what the girl he was interested in's name is. The woman. No. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember any of these. Like, as I told you before we started recording... All the characters, I just call them, like, their stereotypical names. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just what, what their personalities are in the movie. That It's stoner guy, stoner guy girl. Or, yeah. uh, sorry. <laughs> stoner guy girl. Stoner guy and stoner girl. You don't like the name I call Shelly, so I won't say Shelly's <laughs> name. <laughs> He's the nerd. Okay? He, he, I think that's better than the fat kid. <laughs> it is better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I call him the fat kid. <laughs> well, that's all he is in this whole movie, is he that just complains about his identity. Does. And it's just, which, it is again, like, as you said, I do, I do also relate to that. You know, I am a yeah. very self-deprecating person, and I definitely, you know, mock my own uh, image a lot. But at the same time, like, that's all this kid was. Is that, that, no, yeah, it was one note. Definitely. And yeah. he does, and he pulls pranks on them to get attention. That's, that's the the other thing. That's, but it's, it's like, it's like a little tiny shelf of a second dimension. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's not, it's, it's built on the same, you know, it's just, it's nearly the same level as the other defining factor. So, fuck. Well, anyways, Larry Zerner tried. And <laughs> he he does these stunts, and that's you know it, it, they kind of play out the boy who cried wolf with that, and yeah, and 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 that was kind of to be expected, but I, right. I liked it when it happened. Yeah, I was just like, all right, because because he 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 likes to put on a lot of makeup and make it look like he's like been stabbed or something. Right. Like it, it's a movie prank. You know, he, I think he wants to be in films or something like that. I can't remember what his, his career goal was. He mentions it in a lot. I don't know, but I think that this is in California. Yeah, yeah, because I think, I think he, like, in the very beginning, when you first meet his character, he, like, says something that's like, oh, come on, I'm going to go out and be, like, in the movies. I'm going to do, like, makeup and or whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, that's your character. I get it. But but it's just like, when, he, when you see him do that, you're like, okay, later on, Jason's going to kill this guy. Right. You know and they're not gonna right believe away. it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the fucking Chekhov's gun, and and it, it, that's this whole movie is it's very the, the characters are stupid, 
and yeah. and everything they set up, you 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 know immediately almost how they're gonna die. Like stoner guy and stoner girl, you're kind of just like, all right, you guys are gonna get like fucking blitzed, and then you're not gonna understand what's happening. And Jason's gonna be like, oh okay, I can easily kill these guys. One is in a porta potty. Here we go. <laughs> you know, speaking of knowing how they're gonna die, the guy who kept on doing the handstands that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I did like that one. Yeah. <laughs> At least you got to have sex first, though. <laughs> yeah. In a hammock. In a hammock. They, they and was it, it okay. And I wasn't sure about this. Um, they made a lot of jokes uh, that this one one of the ladies was pregnant. Was I she actually she, pregnant? Or was that well, just... she didn't drink when they drank. Man, so Jason's a monster. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> it was just like yeah, the whole time I was kind of expecting that. Like, doesn't know though. That's like the whole thing. No, like, yeah, yeah. He has I know, no but it's just like of it. I don't know why, but it's just like mentally, you know, like a pregnant woman. You think to protect more. And so it's like with a pregnant woman in a horror film, you're like, okay, maybe that will be the final lady. You know, maybe that's right. the one that we're going to root for because also she is pregnant, about to be a mom. There's a lot of story there. And no, she had sex too much. <laughs> she had sex yeah. too much. We're not allowed to care for her. We must and she did her. it in a hammock. That's yeah. just, mm, you know, that's just too much fun. I think it would be fun to have sex in a hammock. That does sound in interesting. Yeah, that, um, that was one of the like one of the parts of this movie where I was just like, hmm, I'm interested. It seems like it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you're not, like, you're not, like, it's not because you're, like, oh, yes, I'm interested. Eyebrows, like, bouncing up and down on your skull. Oh, yeah. But you're, like. It's the hammock part. You know what? That seems like it could be fun. Yeah. It's, it's a new it's idea. It's a really earnest uh, <laughs> way to look at a sex scene. Yeah. Like, I don't care that they're having sex. I'm not like turned on by this scene. It's the fucking 80s. Like it's not that good of a sex scene. I'm just like a hammock. Now that's exciting. <laughs> that's mixing it up a little bit. That's gotta you gotta think about the swing factor and like they're doing it on a fur blanket, so it's like it's gonna be nice. You don't have to you don't have the rope biting into you. Like I feel like that would be the worst part about it, is the ropes would be biting right. into you. Yeah, that would yeah. make it weird. Um, yeah, they had it, they had it figured out. I see things getting tangled in the rope. Yeah, that might. Yeah, that might not be fun. The blanket that might be a is painful. a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had this like thick fur blanket underneath it, and I was like, I mean, I would have faux fur. I'm not a, I'm not into fur, but <laughs> faux fur, I'd be into. But I think I'm ready to go on a closing statement. Yeah, yeah. I, got the, much I with really this. did. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll mention what I want to mention in my closing statements. You go ahead, though. Well, well uh, we didn't mention it's directed by Steve Miner again. I believe he directed the last one. And it's written by Martin Kitrosser and Carol Watson, who are a married writing duo. Oh. So that's kind of cool. You know, it'd yeah. be kind of fun to like schlock horror with your significant other. That'd be, I think that'd be enjoyable. We'll talk about schlock horror when we get to written by your, your lover when we get to Halloween, everybody. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers for halloween we watched uh james wan's malignant and oh there's a beautiful beautiful uh romantic behind the camera <laughs> story there oh man but but with friday the 13th part three i give it one and a half stars it's just garbage slasher like it's still fun it's a fun one and a half stars if you can yeah. believe that if you can believe that exists it's out there it's a fun one and a half stars it's just terrible acting no story 
stupid kids, boring kills. <laughs> I, I did I did like the harpoon through the eye. There's a harpoon through the eye kill that was hilarious, and I really oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when he first when... has the mask. That's his that's his first masked yeah. kill. And yeah. he walks out there and he you can tell that the camera is like six feet above the water, even though the, the point of view is supposed to be in the water from a you know the lady swimming. <laughs> like the camera's looking at Jason, it's like again six feet above the water, and he's it's a 3D shot, so he's trying to shoot it right at right. the camera. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, sure, you're gonna hit her right in the head. <laughs> it's it's a and lofting a- harpoon. It lofts. <laughs> that's right, that's right. It loses yeah. a lot of its 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 trajectory real quick <laughs> that's one of the, the the worst part about this film no joke is the 3d because <laughs> they they utilize it so much and it takes priority over the acting oh like definitely. i i read i read a lot of articles too where it's just like the people who worked on this they would do so many different takes trying to get these 3d shots just right because you have to have it coming at a perfect angle at the camera so that it catches it perfectly for 3D. So it jumps out of the screen and everything back in the 80s. And that, like, they didn't care how they delivered the lines just as long as they got the fucking object right. So it's like there's one scene with Shelly, poor Shelly, where he's trying to throw a, a wallet at the at the camera. You know, okay. they're, in the, they're, in the, they're in the shopping area. It's just when they're getting... Uh, robbed by that that uh the trio whatever right. they're called that's I who i want to talk I, I don't remember if they ha- the group has a name but the characters names uh are loco played by kevin o'brien and vera played by katherine parks led by ali played by nick savage thank you Ooh, Nick Savage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good name <laughs> but uh but yeah, during that scene when they're robbing Shelly and the the lady that Shelly's interested in, he's supposed to throw his wallet at the camera for a 3D shot. And apparently they had to do that like 20 or 30 times because he just fu- he like could not get it right. And apparently the director, his his one note to the actor was, throw the fucking wallet at the camera, you jackass. That was basically it. Like, I don't have that word for word, but there was a lot of swearing involved where it's just like, they they were so tired of the, you know, it's like, don't even perform, just get the fucking shot right. You know, that's, that's what it boiled down to for this movie. And, and it, it, it definitely just seems that way. It doesn't seem like many people are trying to act. Right. They're just trying to get the scene done. (laughs) That's unfortunate. Uh, I'll have to say, honestly, though, uh, it, I think maybe because of all the takes, sometimes those scenes with those shots do seem better rehearsed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just because they're so used to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so my closing statement, I do give it a face because we know that that is basically just a seal of competency. I mean... It, I don't, honestly, I don't know though. But like you said, it was, I had fun watching it. It's just not memorable. There's nothing to remember about it. What I did want to talk about was actually those three people. So I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, their inclusion in the film was unnecessary, but it, it, uh, allowed for Jason to, uh, you know, uh, get a little bit more experience on his resume, you know, besides the usual thing. So. That's good and for also him. for 
Yeah, and also for a jump scare red herring at the end where like Jason gets distracted so the final girl or final lady can get the one up. Right, right. That is right. Because <laughs> uh some reason Ali saves the day, spoilers. <laughs> even even though he got like hacked like fifteen times yeah. like off yeah. camera. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Uh well that was that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, let's move on to Halloween th- uh, 3, Season of the Witch. But before we do that, I have to give my dog some water. Oh, you know so. what? I could use a soda pop. Sounds good. Ah, fabulous. All righty. <sighs> you know what? I probably could have peed, but I think we're back. I think we are back, indeed. And on to Halloween 3! Written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who you might know and love from the 1990s miniseries It. Stephen King's It. I don't know if he was the writer, but he was the director on that, and uh, <laughs> there's some there's some love and hate there. Like <laughs> I love Tim Cur- I love Tim Curry in the miniseries, right. but like, oh my god, the adults did not fucking care at all in that movie outside uh-huh. of Tim Curry. They're just like, this is a paycheck. But uh, we still have we still have John Carpenter and Deborah Hill on as producers. They uh, they came back and you know they. Um, they finally realized their vision with Halloween. They wanted to do an anthology series again, just like Friday the Thirteenth, and they they had killed off Michael. So they were yeah. like, "All right, Michael's dead. dead. Let's do something new. We're doing it new." And Hell yeah. uh, they went with they went with a very interesting idea. Uh, it's called Season of the Witch. Has basically nothing to do with witches, and <laughs> basically <laughs> nothing. Basically. basically. Nothing. Until like the last like five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. I do like a lot about this movie. And I feel like if it wasn't part of this series, that I would like it a lot more. Knowing that the the original vision of the the producers or directors, whatever, to make an anthology, I think if it actually was the second movie I'd be perfectly yeah. happy. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, if they if they had continued to do anthologies, I think number three would stand out a lot more. I think people would love oh, yeah. it a lot more. But oh, it, yeah. but as you said, as you said, they went right back to Michael, and so this is a sore thumb. But like, no joke. I feel bad for the Halloween franchise because I went into this whole this idea we have here where we're going to pit all these three against each other and like figure out which one wins in the concession or the the succession of all these films i love halloween that's like my favorite one of my favorite horror movies and yet i still chose nightmare on elm street to beat it and i'm not giving any any foreshadowing away i kind of am but when we got (laughs) to number three i was like oh man people are gonna be surprised but i fucking love halloween three I Season of the Witch like is it. another one of my favorite Halloween films. It's like <laughs> specifically for the kills. The kills are yeah. so gruesome. They are so good looking too. Yeah. There are some really good deaths. Uh some of them with the um what should we call them? Uh stalkers, maybe. Cochran's henchmen. 
Uh, right. I think I think stalkers is a good yeah a good thing to call them. They're just like businessmen, you know. They're, yeah. they're straight faced. They don't they don't have emotion. The they but, they got like suits on and a tie right. and a little hat. They're gonna they're come driving get around you. black cars. They gonna and come get you. They're gonna come get you, and you're not gonna know what to do but defend yourself. And luckily, they are unflinching towards like you know vehicles coming their way and yeah. uh, other things <laughs> like that. You could take them by surprise. Uh, yeah. And there's some very interesting ways to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these characters. Like, okay, so the whole the whole crux of this film, there is a very annoying jingle on the air, oh and it's the God. it's the song I've been singing. I'm, I won't put you through it again. I know you don't like it, uh, but it's the it's the it's the jingles on the air, and there is an infidelious doctor played uh, played by oh what's his fucking name Tom Atkins. Uh, I don't remember the doctor's name, but Tom Atkins is the the lead, and he is uh he's a doctor who you know he has a wife, he has kids, but the the home life is a uh, kind of rocky. Yeah, I think they are newly divorced or separated because he does he does say they can come to my place. Um, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. So for whatever reason I've always yeah. I've always remembered them as married but I, I do think you're right I do think they are divorced already so maybe he's not as infidelious so maybe that makes him a little less unlikable as I thought Yeah I still don't like him Um at first at first when I saw the like the family situation cuz that's how they present it first right like mm-hmm. you right. know at first he doesn't he doesn't seem like a half bad guy uh but I recognize He's got a good mustache He got a good guy mustache Yes. <laughs> he's gotta be a good guy my my dad <laughs> did have a similar mustache and he also did unfortunately have a, a divorce from my mother i say unfortunately they both have their own lives it's it's right. what it is right. it's it's uh the divorce is just 20 some years old at this point so you know whatever it just happens <laughs> i i did almost immediately kind of feel for this character and but that went away really rather quickly (laughs) he's not very likable i don't think i think he's mostly likable thing yeah he's mostly likable is uh, a good a good way to put it he's got that older guy womanizing aspect where Uh, it's just like you know he doesn't he doesn't necessarily talk down to women getting himself into rooms alone with them yeah, he's kind of creepy that way, but you know. Yeah, he he he's the the main romance between him and the the uh who who's the lady Stacy Nelkin. Uh, oh, it's just it's oh, kind of weird when yes. it when it starts off because like I don't know her age, but she looks like she's twenty years younger than him, or like maybe just 10 yeah, years younger quite than a him. lot younger. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think she even it, came back from college. To figure out what was going on with her dad, yeah, I think that I think that's right. And he's yeah, like a middle-aged, like forty-year-old, fifty-year-old doctor. Yeah, he's a doctor. It's a little yeah. weird. He's. A little I, weird. I would say he's uh, probably in his forties. Right. Yeah. And and one of his cases at night, like, comes in and there's he. I, I think he like had he's he's rambling. That's it. He's rambling about the the masks, the company that makes these masks. He's got some shit to say about silver Sham- silver shamrock, and for whatever reason, 
Tom Atkins, our lead, our doctor guy, he decides he has to be the one to investigate this company and what's going on with yeah. these masks. Uh, and like, it, don't, it don't make sense, really. No, <laughs> he's just an it's investigative because doctor. he's going after uh, Nelkin's character, Ellie Grimbridge, is what her name is. Like, the last name I love, Grimbridge. <laughs> that 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 that's perfect for a horror film. Uh but she he only is going because he has interest interest in this woman. That's the only reason. Right. Which really kind of throws me at the end. Like there's this ending and I feel like we're supposed to expect that there was a swap of certain characters at the mm-hmm. end, but maybe the whole time she what this this was the case <laughs> well she right there is there is this no there's like a solid 20 minutes where she's not with him where she yes. gets kidnapped and he's kidnapped I agree. and that's when the switch happens i agree maybe that's what they want you to think but really <laughs> they want you to also so they want some select few viewers to understand that cochran that wily old coyote he sent sent this person out there to reel in yeah. this guy for apparently no reason. <laughs> yeah, I, and and that's why I don't agree with that because yeah, there's no reason for him to do it. Plus, she has emotions before she gets kidnapped, and then once she's kidnapped, she has like no emotions. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. There's a lot of switches, and like it, it's really kind of confusing why he's just like okay with her after the the switch, where he's just like, yeah, she's got to be the real one because mm. you know she's clearly acting normal over here, like. <laughs> Hasn't talked, hasn't talked for two hours in this car, but whatever. He is distressed, assumes that she is equally, if not more distressed, maybe in shock, and the only, like, people like this are the stalker people. Like, they all have a, a similar look. There's no reason for him to suspect her. (laughs) <laughs> no reason at all. <laughs> not, given what he, not given what he's been through. It's it's just weird. It makes for a little weird moment. Like he's not the greatest lead. Right. I will admit to that. But like, oh my god! Like, there's so much fun about uh, this film. Well, though, that's not. Uh, so you say he's not the greatest lead. I think Tom Atkins did a great job with whatever script. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. stuff and the story that he was given. I just don't really like Daniel's Chalice or whatever his name is. Yeah, it, that, that's what I mean. Like his yeah. character as the lead. Like, why yeah, is this doctor weird. investigating something? Why, you know, I get why she she should have been the lead. She's investigating what's going, what yeah. happened to her father. Like that makes sense. But like, but it, we're focusing so hard on this character, and it's just right. like, dude, you're a doctor. Get back to your fucking job or your family or what, or your kids or whatever. You know, yeah. The, the, the part that coming he up, like abandoned his kids. That's the part that made me yeah. upset about it. Right? Um, yeah. He's supposed to take him. Supposed to. They're supposed to be at his house. He's supposed to take him trick or treating. But instead, he's out here you know, like, trying to get, uh, trying to get laid, basically. Pretty much. For, yeah. And doing a weird detective story over in, the a, phone, in a hotel. <laughs> over the phone, uh, his ex-wife or. <clears throat> whatever the situation is she says these kids don't even know what you look like anymore and i feel like that was supposed to be funny for the viewer but it's like dude come on dude yeah make some time i know doctors are fucking busy but right now right now you're kind of fucking up you're choosing this over that them 
Exactly. That's, that's shitty. Yeah. I will already agree. And he he's just a shitty character, but but the kills are so nice. The kills the are kills. quite nice and, and oh and you know, I really like Cochrane too. Played by Yeah, he's a fun uh, villain. Dan Oh Herlihy, maybe? Herlihy? Her Herlihy? Uh, Herlihy? I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but he—he uh, he is a fun. He is a fun, sinister villain. Yeah. Even if his plan doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, okay, spoilers. Uh, I think it's time we have to talk a little bit of spoilers because there's things I w- I do want to talk about. Uh, so I'll throw up a tiny little a little wall here. Okay. Hello, Lottie. Skip to forty two forty if you want to skip all them damn spoilers. You hear? Yeah. Here's his plan. He wants to. He wants all of your kids to wear silver shamrock masks. Yes. And then at a certain time on Halloween night, that silver shamrock commercial will play, and yes. any kid wearing that mask will be killed. And he does so and through basic Pavlovian techniques that yes. you can try today. <laughs> <laughs> all you have to do. Is steal Stonehenge. That's his whole plan. <laughs> he steals, he steals, I think maybe just one rock of Stonehenge, moves it to America, and he's gonna play this song, kill your kids, replace turns them with them robots. Bugs. Turns them to bugs. Yeah, he turns. Okay, then yeah. robots. Okay, I like where this is going. It, well, that's what, that's, that's it. That's the end of the, the plan. He's just gonna oh. kill your kids. And then replace all these kids with robots. Wow. That's what he's working on. That's his whole plan. And it's like, cool, 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 cool. Okay. Why? <laughs> I, 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 what do you gain out of robots? this? That's the, yeah, that's what he's building. That's what he that's what all those the the stalkers, the they're all just robots that he's trying to build. And that, right, that was, those right. were the I first models. His personal army. Like I didn't I I didn't catch him saying that I could be completely off base. I thought it was just a sacrifice. I thought it was just yeah. a sacrifice of innocence for his pagan gods. But like, I just never, I never get the ending because that's all I get from <laughs> it is like, I just want to kill your kids <laughs> and then robots. I have been <laughs> a just... loving toy maker until <laughs> right now. Right until it's the planets have a lie. It's just I never understand it. Like maybe if, if it's a sac- sacrifice that does make more sense, and I'll accept it. Yeah. But it's just it, the, his whole plan just always floors me. I'm just like he mentions what, what are he, you doing this? He for? mentions <laughs> the old gods. He's talking about the Celtic religion, but I, you know I don't know that they. You know is that why he stole Stonehenge? That's <laughs> why. He, yes, that's why he stole a piece of Stonehenge. <laughs> And uh, that's why they kept Which on. Itself is that's hilarious. why they very heavy-handedly talked about how this was an Irish settlement in California. Like they oh, okay. really, really were pushing that, and that's why also Shamrock. Um, ah, yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Okay. See, I think all that just goes over my head. I'm just like, yay, song, <laughs> death, <laughs> having fun. <laughs> but obviously, I have no idea, and probably this is not a re- good representation of the Celtic religion. Who fucking knows? I don't. I, oh, I'm yeah, sure the historians no that do yet. will 
try to explain it to you and they probably don't know <laughs> either. Right. Another thing I wanted to talk about behind the spoiler wall was the jingle. Because it's it the whole movie is basically just about how this jingle gets under your skin, irritates the fuck out of you. It's eerie as fuck because it's so fucking familiar. It, I mean, it's just London Bridge is falling down, but sung by these kids and with a you know Halloween eerie little uh, lyrics, and it's it, it it just constantly plays. There's so many times where the TV will flick on and this commercials on, and you know at at first the you know, the characters are just reacting out how we normally react. Two commercials we see all the fucking time where we're just like, oh my God, can you yeah. turn it off? You know, you're just changing the radio station or turning the TV channel. You're like, fuck that commercial. I'm so tired of this shit. And it's like, that's the whole point of it is how ads and like advertisement, all that kind of stuff is just, it, it, it's all designed yeah. to get into your head. Right. To just to fuck with you so that you go out and buy the goddamn product. <laughs> and I love this jingle so much because they work with that so well throughout this whole movie tom atkins and stacy nelkin they'll have sex and once they're done doing the business they'll turn the radio on and it's just like bum, 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 bum. and he's like oh my fucking god and he turns the channel and it's just bum, 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 bum. and he's like god it's on every station you know it's like it, th- that's funny that's hilarious and then they get to the end where he wants it removed uh, off of the network yes. because it's going to kill your children if it keeps playing and he's calling all the TV networks and he's like, you got to turn it off. You got to turn it off. You know, he's watching one channel, just channel number three. And it's playing this commercial over and over. And he's like, turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> and then they turn it off on number three. And he's like, oh, thank God. And you're like, you can imagine there's just a crazy old man sitting in his house. who's just tired of hearing this fucking song. And he's calling the network. You know, you imagine being, imagine being the network guy on the other end of this line where yeah. you're just like, dude, I want to turn it off, but this is my job. Like I can't. <laughs> and like, I think uh, Daniel even says like, do you want to be wrong about this? <laughs> that's, that's how he gets the guy to turn it off. Exactly. <laughs> but then he turns it to channel four and yeah. it's still playing. And then that's how this whole movie ends. It, it, it ends in a freeze frame of him yelling, turn it off, turn it off. I fucking love it. It is so good because that's how it makes uh, you feel. That's how this yes. whole song is. You're like, yes, turn it off, turn it off. Yes. And that's why I love this jingle. Like unabashedly love it. Like, yes, I do. I do typically hate repetition. And but it's just this whole thing is designed to irritate you. Yeah, and it's brilliant. It's just it, dripping it did its with job annoyance for me. I will say. <laughs> <coughs> uh, well, should we do closing statements then? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Uh, I give this movie a full face. Um, honestly, I do think the fact that it's such an out-of-place movie for this franchise that is... I mean, I haven't watched the any of the later films until, like, the remake era, so I guess I can't really right. say. But I think it's a deep, pretty decent franchise. So I think it's just because of its weird misplaced thing, I don't, I, I don't feel like I can give it a face and a half, nor would I if 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 it was a standalone movie. But I do think I would like it more in that second position. If if the first right. movie was about Michael and then the second movie was this. 
I think I'd like it more. That's not gonna say it's a very competent movie to watch. Yeah. It. Uh, it's weird. For sure. Yeah, it's very it's very weird. And I, I agree with you. The the fact that it was supposed to be an anthology works for this film. The fact that it didn't turn out to be an anthology just makes people shit on this film. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think outside of the Halloween franchise, this is a great movie. Like I give it three stars. Like it is a fun Halloween film. Yeah. And not Halloween film as in a fun franchise film. It's a fun film for this holiday. You know, you mm, put it on around this time specific. of the year, you have fun with it. The kills yeah. are gory. They're great. They're gruesome. It would be a good introduction to horror movies for kids, I think. Like, when I know, I don't, there's I feel a lot like. Of, there's a lot of good body horror that I think might traumatize some children. Right. I mean, like. <laughs> there's a lady who gets zapped in I the mean, face. I mean, if your 12-year-old is like, hey, I'm kind of interested in horror movies. I like the right. thrillers that we've watched. Then you'd be like, okay, there's this one that's kind of cheesy and the concept is, you know, a concept that would interest a kid. Uh, so I feel like it would be a good place to start. And, and you know, like, You're obviously gonna have to... it's, if it's the first horror movie, they're going to get scared. Yeah. But I'm talking about the age that you would normally introduce a person to this. Right. You're also going to have to explain, like... <clears throat> You're going to have to sit through some sex scenes. I mean, there's not like explicit oh, sex yeah. scenes, but like but, there's going to be some awkward scenes with your kid. And like, I still think the one woman who picks up the chip and gets zapped in the face. Right. I think that one might be a little too brutal, even for a 12 year old. Oh, yeah. Kid. Yeah. When they cut back to it after they do all the. the, and her, the yeah. All the makeup effects the on her face and everything. Yeah. If your kid's whatever. like. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I do think a teenager like could definitely watch this, like a twelve year old or so. But right. like, I don't know. I think there's better films to introduce. If you want to get them into Cronenberg, right? Yeah, if you want to, <laughs> you just want to do the fast track to the body or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really want to fuck after, up your <laughs> yeah, after Cronenberg, it's Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kid. How old are you? Seven, Dad. All right, we're watching Cronenberg. <laughs> this is the fly. You're going to find out why your dad loves Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> no, the, just to wrap up, though, on Halloween 3, absolutely love it. Absolutely recommend. Three stars. Like, Let's do uh, a nightmare on Elm yes. Street. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. <laughs> and you uh, you probably, you actually <laughs> probably know the director, probably not by name, but Chuck Russell. Yeah. Uh, he did the Blob remake, but what he's really famous for, at least in my generation and probably from you and me, uh, he was the director of Jim Carrey's The Mask. Oh, wow. I yeah. think... Yeah. I mean, I recognize the name, but I didn't know for that. I mean, you know, Chuck so, Russell. Things like that movie that just were on all the time as kids. It's it's just right. a part of my memory. I don't. Nobody created those things. They, yeah, it's just they a just thing. exist. <laughs> it's a moment in time. Yeah, it's well, uh, it's written. They got Wes Craven back to write it uh, yeah. alongside Bruce Wagner and Chuck Russell himself, and also. Frank Darabont. Probably know the name Frank Darabont. He was the director of Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. So they got a lot of fucking talent on this Yes, they did. And I enjoyed it. I did. Oh, dude. 
Um, but you know, uh, I think Dream Warriors should be a, a series of its own. I mean, that sounds awesome. You really just don't. You don't want the Nightmare on Elm Street to be a thing. You just want every single movie to be its own <laughs> entity. <laughs> I do, always but like, like they do, are kind of magically their own entity, except for this one also has Nancy. Exactly. Yeah, uh, this one is so like heavily tied into the first one. Leather. And Langenkamp. But but the, the Dream Warriors, the fun thing about this one, no joke, uh, again, I've seen all of these films, all of the whole franchise and everything. This is my favorite. The, sorry to give spoilers for the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but this is my favorite of this franchise. Well, there you go. It is rock solid. It is such a fun film. Alongside Heather Langenkamp, you have Patricia Arquette. Yes. I just love her. She's, a, she's another good actor. Uh, David Arquette's sister. Um, yes. David's off doing Scream. She's off doing The Nightmare on Elm Street 3. They both got to work with Wes Craven. Like, that's fucking great. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. So, and uh, there's also a very young Lawrence Fishburne, which was fun. Yes, <laughs> like, I loved yes, seeing Lawrence Fishburne as the Larry nurse. Fishburne, which I thought was interesting. That's right. Yeah. He's very good at it. Really, there's a, a lot of really good acting in this. And also some okay acting. I mean, but you know, sometimes you get that with <laughs> right. with teenagers. But for the most part, they did a good job. I think a really good yeah. job. And then you, yeah, then you got Jaja Gabor. Can't forget Jaja Gabor. Yes, she played herself. Apparently. Oh really? Oh, well, I, don't I think she was, she was in the television. In the television oh. death. Gotcha. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the television death. That's a very fun death. And in Robert England coming back, I mean, you can't have another Freddy Krueger oh, no. until the remakes, but... Until like, the you, remakes. You fucking, <laughs> until the remakes, we'll get, until you get... And then we'll get uh, Rorschach to do it. Yeah, I was going to say, I couldn't remember the actor's name, but I remember it was Rorschach. <laughs> it, and I may, I may have mentioned this a year ago when we did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first film, but it was a, re- a rediscovery of mine when I was watching... Uh, Dream Warriors. There was a name that flashed on the screen. It was line producer Rachel Talele, and she she'll later direct a film in this in this franchise. Okay. But she is a director in Doctor Who, a recent oh. Doctor Who, um, with Peter Capaldi. She she didn't come on with the new the new showrunner. She was back with Stephen Moffat, and she was my favorite director for a while for Doctor Who. Because, like, she's just, she's a brilliant director. And just seeing her name, I was just like, well, Ra- Rachel Talele? I was like, wow, she's part of this franchise? What? And I looked into it and I was like, holy fuck, her whole, like, her whole, like, beginning of her career was centered around this franchise, kind wow. of. Wow. Because cool. she, she went from, like, line producer to directing, like, a later on film. And I didn't even realize she had directed one of the films in this franchise. So That's like, awesome. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a really good moment for me. To, I was just, like, saw that name flash and I was like, what? <laughs> so Great. should we I, just, I want to give her a shout out so we already talked about one of the dream warriors i guess two if you count nancy uh but patricia right. arquette plays Kristen parker and at one time very early on in the film uh patricia says kirsten and so it confused me for the rest of the movie <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure it's Kristen Parker. And the problem is, is that Patricia Arquette really, really does look like my sister, Kristen. So 
it, it was kind of really kind of strange. And like they both like also are rather uh, reserved, at least Kristen Parker, the character is. And, right. and so is my sister. So I was like, what is this? <laughs> You're just completely Dream thrilled. Warriors is getting is messing with my head. To explain them, they are a group of kids who are all suffering yes. from a, a shared nightmare. But they had never met each other before. They don't. They don't know each other. They're not friends. They don't go to the same schools. That I think. Of. Like I don't. I don't no. think they do or anything. No. You know, no they, they all I don't just even come. Think any of them knew each other. Yeah. They, they just come to this group therapy session. I don't remember who the the doctors are leading it. Uh, um, Neil Gordon, played by Craig uh, Wasson. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the gentleman who uh, works directly with Nancy, and then. Uh, I believe the doctor's name was Dr. Elizabeth Sims, played by Priscilla Pointer. And she Thank was you. kind of the, the real skeptic. Like yeah, she the was bad in, cop. Yeah. She, she, I think she was also a head of the department. Yeah, and they and they bring on uh, young intern Nancy from the first film, yes. who has suffered, you know, she suffered and lived through Freddy Krueger already. Which is debatable. <laughs> exactly. It's very fair. <laughs> it, it, but but she knows what these kids are going through. She can relate yeah. to them. But at the same time, as an intern getting into the American working world, uh, you know, she has to play her cards very carefully. Otherwise, she might just be inserted into this group as part of the right. therapy itself. Right. right. <laughs> and like she she immediately enlists the male doctor's help because uh, right. he's kind of infatuated with her a little bit, it seems. Yeah. Even though like, oh, my God, right before she shows up. They're like, fuck them sending this, like, shooting star genius uh, trying to fuck (laughs) with our kids. We know what we're doing. Our therapy is working. They're starting to accept. (laughs) Yeah, and then she shows up and he's just like, well, maybe she's got some good ideas. Maybe she knows what she's doing. (laughs) It's definitely a weird switch, but it's really hilarious. It becomes all of these kids together trying to survive freddy yeah right. it's and it's a really unique like i mean not unique but it's it, it, you know in the first two nightmare on elm street films they've kind of milked it dry for one kid trying to survive this nightmare. right definitely and so to to in you know to invigorate the entire franchise and to be like freddy has gotten too strong one kid can't defeat him we have a group of kids now right. who are, you know, they're all shared in this experience. They're all trying to do this together. It's really cool. Yeah. And they got dream powers. They dream got dream powers. powers. I was like, man, I hope I go to bed and have dream powers. You that's, can. I mean, see, that's what I want. That's what I want the, the dream warriors to become is this, like, right. you know, that, that like 80s super team vibe. But, like, you know, actually, I I don't know. Like, I love the concept of those, but I find most of them unwatchable. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. But it'd be be cool, you know, it's just like a group of uh, warriors going around saving children from their nightmares. Like, that's a nice idea. That would be awesome. Like, like, make it like the X-Men. But like but they, to and be then fair. and then when they're in real life, you know, sometimes they they think they can do what they can do in the dream, and they can't. Exactly, they can break through the matrix, and yeah. then they just fall. 
<laughs> and hurt oh. themselves. Yeah, and like Inception, but, and then the tops never stop I, spinning. Never stop. Never exactly. Stop. And speaking of that, I do want to bring it up. You can practice lucid dreaming, and eventually you can have dream powers. Because yes, I did this in high school, where I practiced, because I watched Inception, I was obsessed with Obsession, and I, you know, I, I've worked every single day on, you know, basically what you do is when you're awake, you tr- you you spin your top, whatever your your fulcrum or you know your pendulum, whatever it is, what whatever you can do in the real world that wouldn't work in the dream world or vice versa, you do that every single day, and eventually when you're in the dream world, your mind is just going on instinct and will do that. So mine was like try to breathe through your nose. You can't do that in real life. If you plug your nose and then you try to breathe through it, you can't do that. And I did that every single day. And then when, one day when I got into the, you know, when I was sleeping, I was in the dream and I plugged my nose and I can breathe fine. And I was like, oh, I must be dreaming. I must be dreaming. And then I went flying because that was the first thing I thought of to do. It was like, I want to fly. And so I was flying and it was great. And I had full control over the dream. Like I could, you know, it was, it was a great right. lucid dreaming experiment. I had dream powers. You can do it too. I only <laughs> just... achieved it once. Uh, and it was quite on accident. I did not, I did not work towards this i just was having the most mundane dream of my life where i drove a station wagon and then i realized i don't own a station wagon this is a dream i don't have to be in the woods in the middle of winter and then i blasted off like a rocket and then all of a sudden i was flying over the ocean and the dolphins were jumping out of the ocean. And then, like, you know, that oh, weird mirror horizon thing happened where the mm-hmm. sky and the ocean didn't even matter anymore. Dream oh, powers. that's beautiful. That's great. We're dream warriors. <laughs> dream we did warriors. <laughs> I do. Uh, to get back to the movie, I do want to. Uh, another thing I want to commend, like, applaud this film on the murders. Yeah. The, the kills. They are. Equally as gruesome as Halloween three. Yes, there's uh, there's one kid who is puppeteered by the veins yeah. in his arm. Oof, oof, oh, yeah, that one's hard to watch, and it's so good. Yeah, it's just every everything about this film. It's again, I think I think what's gonna and I, I, as I said, I feel real bad for Halloween. I think what's gonna end up happening is even though I love Halloween and I like I find those a lot of fun those films, the imagination of a Nightmare yes. on Elm Street. It is just so unique and great and very right. entertaining that but it's always going to lift it above. The thing is, is that Maybe. you can't we'll find out. add these elements from this movie into those other movies because this is a dream world. Like, you can exactly. do fucking whatever you want. So, like, the more you build into it, the better it's going to be. Right. You can have fucking Freddy as a giant worm with a Freddy face. And yeah. It's like, sure. As they do. It, sure. Yeah. As they do. Very Beatles. He can, he can, but this he is can pop out of that, a TV right? screen. <laughs> that was great when his head like popped out of the TV yeah. box. Oh my God. That's so yeah. funny. I'm going to go through and name the kids real quick because we didn't do that. So Thanks. we got Ken Cade played by Ken Sagos. And I, I hope I said your name right. Just like every day. I, I'm so bad at this show. Joey, played by Rodney <laughs> Eastman. Taryn, played by Jennifer Rubin. Philip, played by Bradley Gregg. And Will, played by Ira Hayden. And Thank I you. hope I didn't leave anybody out. Lorenzo may have been one, played by Clayton. 
Plan B. Who is the who is the uh, the chick that is badass? Okay, see, uh, that is my favorite line in the movie when they're expressing yeah. who they they are like their powers. She they yeah. turned to her and she said, "In my dreams, I'm beautiful." And she flips out two sling blades and she's like, "And bad." <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And like it's it's funny because it's like I think she's beautiful outside of the dreams, but when she says that she's beautiful, she has like the punk rock hairdo and right. everything. She's, she's like wearing oh, leather beautiful. and a lot yeah, of yeah, a lot of jewelry, a lot of piercings. It, like I mean, she looks pretty cool, but like she doesn't know how to hold a knife. But it's also <laughs> <laughs> it's also though like I just love that the delivery on that fucking line so much, man. Oh yeah, it's. It is funny. I kept on saying it though. Every time she came on screen, I I said it. Not <laughs> <laughs> bad, it, but it's it's funny because like at the end she gets this great moment where it's like you know Freddie's doing his job. He's trying to pick them off one by one. Yeah. Because as a group, they are too powerful for him. So he's got to pick them off one by one. You know, try to whittle them down. You know, classic horror shit. And when it's when it's her turn to have that one on one moment. You know, you, you have that classic, iconic, like, she's in an alleyway, and she's, like, walking down, and it, like, cuts to her, and she's, like, momentarily, she's afraid. She's like, oh, no, Freddy's coming. And then she just pulls out those knives or whatever, and she's like, okay, I can face this. Yeah. And it's, it's a moment where it's like, you don't get this kind of a moment in a horror film, because normally they want you to be afraid with the character. Right. And then this time, you're just like, when she pulls out those knives, you're like, you're like fuck yeah, kill Freddy. Yeah. Like, get do him. it. <laughs> And then, though, Freddy, man, the way she goes is it's the saddest one for me because she was an yeah. addict. She turned to drugs to, to escape the dream before she got help right, right. or was thrown in there, whichever. And yeah, his razor glove and his other hands turn into needles and he and he yeah, induces a dream of pretty rough. Us. And that it's, was kind of sad. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the. Uh, the big negative I have for this movie is how it focuses on two things in particular, addiction and suicide. Because those are very key aspects to the plot in this, because right. they think the, 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 the doctors think these kids are just committing suicide through their night terrors. Right. You know, they, they think these things are driving them. They're all messed up kids. They're all, you know, this, this is coming from the doctor's perspective, not mine. Right. They're all messed up kids. And, and these night terrors are driving them to the, the the brink of their uh, their sanity and then they're just killing themselves and there were two uh two scripts initially that were written uh one script was fr- written from uh john saxon and it was a prequel that set up uh that freddie was it, it was a prequel where freddie was set up by charles manson so it's kind of yeah it, it's really stupid <laughs> it, it kind of just like fucks off with uh with freddie being like this old uber villainous kind of thing it's just like no 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 charles manson was the, the villain freddie's just mistaken okay. Dumb. i'm glad they did i'm glad they did not go there yeah uh another another script that was not chosen was written by robert england himself oh. which which was paralleling the first film where Freddie was now in Nancy's house and was setting up booby traps rather than the other way around, where in the first film, oh, Nancy set up booby traps for Jay, uh, for Freddie. So it's like, and I think it's great that Robert England wrote a script. Like, I think right, that's cool. Yeah. I think it got re, I think it got reworked later on, but the, the script they did choose was just heavy with the idea that these kids were committing suicide. 
and they had to tone it back a lot because it was it was very dark, very. Right. I mean, it is the movie still is. It, yeah, it still is, but but it's just that that th- there's one scene in particular that I just do not like, and it's the the therapist himself, the 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 one guy. I, I'm sorry, I forget his name already. Neil uh, Gordon. Thank you. Yeah, the the first kid dies. There is, you know, they're all in group therapy together. They're talking about, you know, how that affected them, how that kid dying affected them. Yeah. And the doctor is telling them all, you know, he committed suicide. He did this to himself. He failed you. He, yeah, you know, I he failed that. himself. I hated it so much because it, it, it suicide is a very hard subject to talk about. Right. But it's it's. You know, it's it's honestly not a fa- about failure, in my opinion. It is, uh, it is a very, it, it's just the the worst part of your life. You know, it's like if if you are at that area, I mean, one call somebody. You know, call call the hotline, right. the suicide yeah. hotline. Talk Please to somebody see. if you need to. It's very helpful. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good resources out there that you can turn to if you're feeling down. But if you're feeling down, if you're in that place, don't think of it as failure. Because it, you know it's it's a very hard moment where you're at, but like it's not failure that brought you there. Not always, at least. You know, there's so right. many different out, uh, circumstances that could be affecting that. But that that whole scene, just you know, his character, I just immediately hate his character in that scene because mm-hmm. he's you know he's just he's trying to turn this kid into like you know it's like you don't have to become this kid. You know, kind of villainize him or whatever. I don't yeah, I don't it, know how to it put did it. Feel that way, like. Yeah, I mean, it was so disrespectful. There was something, yeah, like there was something affecting this kid so strongly that, like, if we were to take the skeptical view, obviously we know that he was being uh, literally puppeteered. If we take it from the doctor's perspective, we should recognize that this there's there is something terribly wrong. In this, it's going on in this kid's head, as well as the rest of the kids. Like, right? It's not their fault, but he blamed it. Yeah, he put the blame on the person who committed uh, committed suicide, and I do think that's wrong and not a way to look at it. A good way to look at it. It's not healthy because all of those people's loved ones then they turn around and they blame that person. Where, you know, right. obviously they, they want to blame somebody. That's the first thing you do when you're grieving, really. Right, right. And maybe they felt it was better than blaming themselves or the kids blame, somehow blaming the group. Right. But it's not. Yeah, I'm sure he had his, like, his his reasons in his mind for it. Or, you know, the, it's a f- fictional fucking movie. But still, right. I'm sure the character had, like, a motivation for that. But it just, it it, it really just kind of felt like him not wanting to take any kind of credit for himself for you know he's the fucking doctor right you know right it the, did the, it seemed like he was kind of avoiding his own guilt yeah i'll agree yeah his own responsibility in the in the matter yeah and it's it, that's not that it necessarily like, was his fault too he was trying to do i feel like up to that point they were doing the best they could with the information they had except for nobody was listening to these fucking kids no, yeah, nobody. Why? How? How the hell do you think they have the same dream at the same time? And you just right. And you just think, oh, well, there must be something very badly wrong with each of them internally. And yes, yeah. that's probably the case. But you know what? If you really think about it, 
that's probably you too. That's like anybody that you run into yeah. in the street. There's and probably it, something that happened to them in their life that is awful. In the real world, if we were doctors, uh, dream doctors, like studying yes. studying dream and everything, uh, if if we were approached by this this group therapy kind of session thing, this whole idea, and all these kids are talking who have never met each other, they're talking about the exact same dream. I feel like even in the real world, while we might be skeptical, while we not right. might not believe them. We would be like, all right, we don't know enough about dream science. We don't know enough about the brain. Right. So there must be something here. Even right. if we don't believe these kids, we should still take them seriously and try to make them feel more comfortable. Right. Like, I feel like at that point, an ESP event would still be a plausible hypothesis like i would feel like okay we're gonna do everything in our power to prove against this but we're not gonna rule this out until it's ruled out because we just don't fucking know exactly just don't know the power of the mind and i feel like we know a lot more than we did 40 years ago but we still don't know a lot (laughs) so yeah i i feel like they they would be like there's something going on that's connecting these people's dreams and that is weird i think the what they what I, what my assumption would be is that there was a collective event that these kids didn't don't know that they collectively were connected to that happened to all of them at the same time. Which, as it turns out, is exactly That's what exactly happened. <laughs> Spoilers, I don't want to get into that, though. Oh, we won't get into that. Because I highly recommend this film. Again, as I said, my favorite of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, like Dream Warriors, is always one I go back to because it's just fucking rad. It's like, super it cool. Rock solid. Love Dream Powers. I do think that it might be a little less scary than the other movie two movies. Yeah. Because the the heroes have more power. Exactly, and I think I think where the 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 fright comes from in this film is like Freddy's uh, trying to pick them off. Yeah. Like his little his little calls where he's like trying to like lure one of them away. You're right, it's not as terrifying, but it's those little moments. Like it just like picks at you. And then there's the gore factor on top of right. it, which makes it even more horrifying to watch. But yeah, the 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 group aspect of your heroes definitely does make it a little less frightening because you well, you're, you're a little power in numbers, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and there's a lot of fear in being uh being alone. So it's just it's yeah it definitely does kind of detract a little bit from the horror but if i were to go into my closing statements i it doesn't detract from the movie at no all. not at three all and a, three and a half stars it's so fucking good and and oh i'm so sorry to halloween three i really wanted it to win but it's going up against dream warriors i have to choose dream warriors to win will anyone knock you. nightmare on elm street off of the winning uh, I don't know, man, because I'm 100% with you um, after I watched Halloween 3, because I watched them in the order that we talked about them. Mm-hmm. I felt like that it could possibly win, but this movie was awesome. I I kind of, I, I don't know if I want to give it a face and a half, just because it's, I don't know. I don't know why I want it. It's fun. It's a face and a half movie. There you go, guys, people. Nice. <laughs> guys, people. Guy's people. People <laughs> of Guy. And Robert England gets a good bitch line in there. Yes, a nice. couple of them. There, there, yeah, there's of, one that's even there. written. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I oh, mean, I wish I remember exactly what he said, but yes, this is the movie where Freddy starts saying fucking bitch. No, that was in the Not second fucking. one. Not fucking. Yeah. Oh, that did happen yeah. in the... Oh, yeah. He yeah, he said bitch in the second too. one, yeah. yeah. You might have said it in the first one, too. I just don't remember. But yeah, this is th- th- this one has some good bitch lines, though. And, and honestly, it's getting to the point where like uh, we were talking earlier about the, the, uh, the punk rocker chick. And I was about to call her like, yeah, kill him. I was about to say like, yeah, kill him, bitch. But I was only going to do that because of Freddy, because it's just when I'm talking Freddy, that's in my head. But like, that's right. not how I think about her at all. It so, really isn't. So I found the one that I really wanted to mention, and it was in the TV kill. And we keep on mentioning that. And I don't want to mention any more than that. I want I want people right, to right. discover what happened. But he says, welcome to prime time. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> his, his delivery of it is yes, so good. Yes. Oh, Robert England. Gotta love him. So fucking it. brilliant. But uh, I think I think that is uh, it for today's threesome. Yeah, yeah we yeah. did it. Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street still sitting on top. Will it ever be knocked off? We'll or will see. it only be knocked off once we run out of Nightmare on Elm Street films and have to finish this with just Friday the 13th versus <laughs> Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I I guess I, I yeah, yeah, you just do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I am the green traveler from Gorsh. And I am the faceless Leon, who forgets the format of the show from time to time. Safe travels. And good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.